0: hawkeye nation podcast hawkeye nation.com andrew downs and rob Howe with you once again rob welcome back after a busy kind of a whirlwind weekend for you how you doing man
1: Doing great. Got some coffee in me, so I'm ready to pod.
0: Good, good. Love it. Uh, you know, we'll start with uh, the big game from yesterday, Sunday afternoon. Iowa beats Illinois. What 18th ranked Iowa beat 19th ranked Illinois, 72 to 65. And just another game showing this team's toughness. They were down for a, a lot of the game. It, it really felt halfway through the second half like Illinois may pull away, but uh, th- they weren't able to. And then down one with four to play, Iowa scores the next 11 points. A couple of big shots there. And, and it seemed like the Carver crowd was rocking. I know you were at the game yesterday. And, and again, Rob, just another kind of gutty win from this team. And, and and now it's something that we just expect week in, week out, night in, night out. No matter who the opponent is, especially when I was playing at home, it feels like the game is never over.
1: Yeah, a whole lot involved in this game. I'm sure we'll go over, um, including the ending. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um yeah, and, and in talking to Luca Garza after the game, he you know, he he came right out and said that toughness was the difference. And if you look at those two teams, Illinois and Iowa, kind of cut from the same cloth. They uh, it's they're tooth and nail, they will fight you to the end, both of those teams. And I thought a key moment was after Feliz there was that scramble and Feliz got the put back inside, put Illinois up. I forget by how many points but just it was they were showing Illinois was showing a, a great deal of toughness and then Iowa responded to that and I thought that was just that was a key point that Iowa looked at a team that was matching its toughness and said hey we're going to be a little tougher than you and that was the difference in the end.
0: You know you talk about being cut from the same cloth one of, one of the cool things I did yesterday was I watched your video of, of the Brad Underwood press conference after the game and and you can see why these teams are cut from the same cloth I, I really I he's a guy that it's hard to dislike I, I enjoyed him he, he's a good coach obviously and has Illinois on, on a great upward trajectory but uh, the way he kind of talked about yeah what happened to at the end of that game, and then the toughness, the credit he gave to Fran and, and the Iowa players, uh, I, I really liked Brad Underwood, and it it feels like this could be the start of a fun rivalry. You know, I, I guess rejuvenation of a fun rivalry between Iowa and Illinois over the next several years. If if they're both competing in the top half of the Big Ten, you have that border rivalry and a couple of tough-nosed, hard-nosed coaches that that you know. Like to see the the fireworks happen on the court, and then afterwards, not didn't make a big deal of it. So I, I really enjoyed the post game yesterday too.
1: Yeah, I would agree, I, and I agree. Brad Underwood's really a, kind of a breath of fresh air. Just kind of you know, no nonsense, comes straight forward. Shares his thoughts, very clear, uh, concise, and to the point. And and really made some really good points after the game, just keeping everything in perspective. And this is great. I mean. You know, we remember from the 80s and 90s that Iowa and Illinois was a really great rivalry. And it kind of has fallen off. Um, Neither team has been, you know, in that top tier consistently. One team is up. The other team is down. Um, And and I think it's healthy when when these two teams are really competitive and competing at the top of this conference. And we saw that yesterday. We saw it with the fans Uh, after the game. I mean... I'm sure you saw it on social media. I'm sure the people listening to the pod saw it. I mean, people going back and forth. And I think it's healthy. I didn't think anything was... You know, of about there are always people that take things to extremes, but I, this is healthy because the football rivalry rivalry hasn't really been much either, uh, of late. And it's just kind of nice when when you can compete with border states, whether it's Wisconsin and Nebraska in football, um, you know, Northwestern in football. There's something about being in the region and 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 the you know the rivalries that happen in your area of the Big Ten that are really important. And it's really, as you said, it's not. Nice Nice to see Iowa and Illinois matter again. And, And yesterday, you know, Illinois was in first place. And Iowa knew that, and Iowa, you know, went after him, and it was, and Illinois fought back, and it was just, it was a really fun Big Ten basketball game.
0: Yeah, and it really feels like the rivalry will it will amp up to another level. Hopefully, if both teams continue to do what they're doing, and, and they have that regular season finale in Champaign, there, there could be a lot on the line for that game. You know, you talk. I don't think Iowa needs another football rival. You know, we, we've we've got plenty, <laughs> but we need a basketball rival in conference. You know, other than yeah. Iowa State, who is Iowa's basketball? Basketball rival. I was thinking about this last week, and and I, I couldn't really come up with anything. Maybe Wisconsin, just because they uh, you know that they, they're a bunch of white guys too, and they're Midwest, and and we like to liken ourselves against Wisconsin in just about everything. Although they've had our number lately, uh, there there really hasn't been a real heated basketball rivalry in the Big Ten for Iowa. So for Illinois to become that team, that would be that would be a lot of fun. One of the cool things I thought Brad Underwood said was you know their game plan against Luka Garza was just hit him, hit him every time. <laughs> keep hitting him and they did that early and, and they were able to kind of keep him quiet for a while but as Luca Garza does he got going I think he had 11 points uh, in a row at, in one stretch in the first half finished with 25 and 10 uh the first time in his career he made four three-pointers uh, just another all-american you know big 10 player of the year maybe national player of the year type effort from Luca Garza again yesterday afternoon
1: yeah it's funny I was shooting photos in the first half and uh you know, I, I I was down by the Illinois bench and you could hear the, the they they had a clear message of beat on Luca, you know, f- be physical with him. And they have some big guys. Kofi Coburn is he looks like a division one defensive end. He is just a massive human in person. And then Georgie as well. I mean, they had some guys to throw at Luca and they kept him scoreless, I think, for fifteen oh seven. Um, and then Cordell Pemsel fed him in the post and kind of got him going after that. And Underwood I thought made a great point after the game that Luca was able. One of the Illinois reporters asked Underwood, you know, what can what, what can Colburn take out of this? What type of lesson can he take out of playing against Luca? And Underwood, uh, great observation, said, you know, Luca just doesn't stop. He just keeps mm-hmm. coming. No matter you hold him down, he's going to keep coming and figure out ways within the game, during the game, to counter whatever you're doing against him. And Luca really just kind of like what he did at Nebraska when they were paying him extra attention. Really good at finding holes in the defense and then quickly setting up before the double team comes. Getting post position, doing little things, and then, as you said, being able to step out and hit three-pointers, which are just demoralizing to a defense when you have a guy that that's good, that's that effective in the post to be able to step out and shoot as well, and... Uh, uh, and Frederick and, and Weescamp were uh, really good as well to complement what Luca was doing. So um, you think about Iowa being outscored twenty nine to nothing in bench points and still being able to pull out a win that that says a lot about your firepower from your your stars.
0: It really does. You know, you mentioned CJ and, and Weescamp. Weescamp, I thought a quiet eighteen points. I, after the game, I was surprised when I looked at the box score and saw he had eighteen points. It didn't feel like uh, there was any. I guess he didn't have any run of you know a bunch of points in a row or any really huge clutch threes that i can remember but uh, a quiet 18 which is uh which is what you want from a guy like wieskamp right now
1: he was a plus 13 he was the was best and how again i've talked about this before andrew on this pod it depends on how much you put into those plus minus metrics but he was plus 13 luca was plus 12 those were the wow. only guys plus double figures you had uh Connor mccaffrey was a plus eight and I think we'd be remiss not to mention his contributions yesterday. And I I had asked... We had Bobby Hansen on our, our podcast here on the radio show that I do on, on KGYM in, in Cedar Rapids on Friday night, and Bobby was. It's funny when you, you 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 talk to you know former Iowa players. You know we do the pod with Greg Bruner, and then had Bobby on our pod or on our radio show on Friday, and how those guys gush over what Connor McCaffrey brings, and and then Fran touched on it again yesterday in the post game. Just if you really like basketball, if you really love the sport, and you watch him play. You appreciate what he does, even if he's not scoring. And then yesterday, some really key three-point that three-pointer from the corner in the second half was yeah, just huge.
0: It was, you know, three big threes for him, and he had, hadn't been hadn't scored much lately. But I think we've come to find that uh, Connor McCaffrey doesn't have to score to to make an impact on on this team, and in these games, he's kind of the floor general out there, especially when Joe Toussaint did not have a great day. Uh, so McCaffrey kind of helping to run that offense and. Um, he's he's so tough he's so good he uh, and then you know his role at the end of the game which again we'll talk about here in a few minutes I do want to talk about CJ Frederick because Another thing I love that that Brad Underwood said was, uh, man, he's going to be a pain in the <laughs> ass for the next four years. I saw one of those Illinois fan sites tweet something out early in the game after CJ had, had, had hit a shot. Uh, like, I don't know who CJ Frederick is, but I already don't like him, and that's exactly what you want to hear from opposing fan bases and, oppo- and opposing coaches. Frederick's the kind of guy that you could see in you know his junior season having people tweet about, hey, this guy's still at Iowa. How long has he been here? How long is he? because you know, he's just going to be a thorn in people's side and again another clutch 18 point performance and just uh, he's getting better and better it seems and the the ice water in his veins he's not afraid of the moment Uh, as a freshman I can't remember the last time we saw a guy kind of look this this capable and comfortable out there
1: he is fun to watch and I did ask him after the game I I I presented that that Brad Underwood comment to him after the game and he kind of just smiled and he says you know it's kind of the way i've been my whole life even in high school <laughs> other teams and other fan bases did not like me and and he kind of feeds off of that and you watch him play on the road and i think he almost has a, even a he almost takes it up another level on the road because he enjoys being the villain uh and being the pest and uh he does a good job of it i'm as, as impressed as i am with him andrew at his ability to shoot threes His ability to put the ball on the floor and and hit the mid range jumper, um, you know, off of somebody, you know, defending him and being able to dribble drive and pull up, that's a lost art. And he really does it well. He's got a quick release. and, and he keeps defenses honest with his ability to, to do that. And he even can get all the way to the basket, too. So very well-rounded offensive game and an underrated defensive player as well.
0: You talk about him kind of embracing that role. And I, I love that about this team and a lot of what I saw yesterday in the post game, and your videos and, and in reading your column and, and other places. Uh, you know, just this team kind of knows what they are and, and they embrace it. They, they say, yeah, we're emotional and, yeah, we're tough. And, you know, as you mentioned earlier, Luca talking about the toughness. They understand that this is what it's gonna take and, and they're gonna get into some scraps and they're gonna have some days where they don't shake hands after the game, but they don't care about that. They're they're out there to win. They know that's what it takes, and they're willing to put in that effort and, and kind of be those guys. You know, CJ's willing to be that villain. He doesn't need people to like him. He needs to win games. And for them to embrace that at this point in the season, I think is a big reason why we're seeing this team uh doing what it's doing and and in that four and one in that Tough five-game stretch, including four wins over ranked team, now 10 in a row at home. Uh, you had a, a bit in, in your column, five wins this season against AP ranked teams, which ties Baylor, the top-ranked team in the country for most of the nation, six quad one wins. I know that's first or second or right up there in the country for, for quad one wins. The resume that this team is putting together right now is is kind of incredible, and again, that five-game stretch, starting with that Michigan game that Friday night, you looked ahead and said, "Man, if they can get out of this three and two, you feel pretty good about that." They end up getting out of that four and one with the only loss being a an understandable loss at a good Maryland team in a game where Iowa had some opportunities they weren't able to take care of. And uh, but but you don't feel bad about that loss. They weren't run off the court. They they competed the entire game. I think they lost by ten in the end. But uh, a four and one stretch in that five games. I'm not sure you could ask for anything more than that
1: yeah and the two those two losses when we look at back at a manager the one at nebraska just a uncharacteristically poor shooting night um what with so much attention and frederick not being in that game and then at maryland you had luka and creener both getting in foul trouble earlier that really changed the complexion of that game so some aberrations some outliers that took place and that stuff's going to happen but the thing i like about this team is they learn from those situations and you know when when you when they you know, come up short in those situations for certain reasons. They find ways to to rectify those issues. And, and I feel like they'll be able to do that again. And they'll have that chance on Wednesday at Purdue, a place that's really hard to play. They're going to need to be better than they were at Maryland. And they know that. And Lucas can't get, you know, a foul out front on a screen and then an over-the-back foul early in the game, in the first five minutes of a road game it puts his team too much in a hole. And he knows that he'll be better Wednesday when they're in West Lafayette than he was when they were in college park. And I think that's what we see with this team. It constantly gets better, but man, we've talked about it, Andrew, this league, you know, (laughs) Iowa beats Wisconsin at home. Wisconsin loses Kobe King, Davison gets fouled for his annex again or gets suspended for his annexed against Iowa, then Wisconsin beats Michigan State at home without those two guys. <laughs> this is just a gauntlet and Iowa's got a lot of tough games left, but I like where it's positioned at this point. I, I'm really excited to watch these last whatever it is, nine games of this season to see how this thing shakes out. And it's gonna be tough to win this league, although I think probably six losses probably wins it. Um, I'm still of the belief that get that get in the top four, get though get that double buy. That's kind of my goal for Iowa. If it can't win the you know win the league outright,
0: yeah, I, I agree. I, I wrote that down even today. I said the goal now is the top four finish, get that double buy because you're exactly right. This is such a tough league. Uh, anything could happen. Injury could really. I mean, really any injury at this point for this Iowa team with, with the short bench they're playing with uh, would really make things kind of unravel quickly, or, or at least it would seem that way. Who knows? Um, but uh, yeah, I was looking ahead at the, at the games, and I could kind of... There, there's I like to group things, right? So the next five games are a group, and then the final four are a group in, in my mind. And if you can... Uh, if you can get out of here with like a 6-3 and three finish in these these last nine, that's 13-7 and seven in the league. Is that good enough to win? I don't know. 22-9 uh, and nine would be a great record for seeding purposes, but I think you're exactly right. Let's let that conversation happen in those final four games where you're playing Michigan State, Penn State, Purdue, and then at Illinois. Um, for these next five, I think keep the goal reasonable. And, and I do think at this point a top-four finish and that double-buy in the Big Ten tournament is a reasonable goal. You look at the standings – Michigan State and Illinois, a game ahead of Iowa at 8-3. Maryland at 7-3. And, and then Iowa and Rutgers tied at 7-4. So a top-four finish, uh, not, not out, of the, out of the realm of possibility for sure. And, and maybe something that expect is a tough word, but maybe a thing that Iowa fans should, should, should start to expect. That should be the goal for this season at this point is get in that top four. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That
1: is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal.
0: deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
1: And the next four, I, I, you you kind of, I'll let... You know, I liked your you know view of those last games, how things happened down the stretch. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm viewing the, the next four because they should win at home against Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't see a pot. I, you never know what's going to happen in sports, but that would just be an epic collapse to lose to that team at home. Yes. I know they lost in Lincoln, but Nebraska's bad and you look at it that this other next block of four you have other than Nebraska game you're at Purdue this Wednesday then next week you're at Indiana and at Minnesota so three of the next four are really in tough road environments I almost feel like two and two there would be a victory I think I think you're probably right and it's What's I guess what's the biggest
0: difference between road and home for Iowa? Is it is it the fouls? Is it you know the the home court advantage? Is it having trouble, you know, bringing that defense kind of on the road a little bit? They didn't look bad against Maryland by any means, but uh weren't able to kind of hit the big shots. There was a, a Wieskamp Camp three late in that game that he put up, and I think Iowa was down by eight or nine at the time. And I thought, okay, if if anything's going to happen, like it did against Wisconsin earlier in the week, uh, this if this three goes down, this could be the start of the run. It, it didn't go down, and, and there was no run. What do you see as the biggest difference between the the road and and home for Iowa?
1: I think you hit on a lot of the you know a lot of the points, a lot of the factors, Andrew. It's You know, the officiating's different on the road. It is. But, uh, you know, and we saw that at Maryland. Um, Maybe some of those things that Luka was called for, and it wasn't just him. I mean, Connor McCaffrey was in foul trouble in that game. Creener, as we talked about, was in foul trouble. Um It's just the road environments in this league are so tough. And and I see it more because I don't travel a lot with basketball like I do with football. But the home court at Iowa this season has been as good as it's been in in quite some time. And yesterday, it affected Illinois. There's no question in my mind. It affected Michigan and Maryland and Rutgers. Um, That home court, when that crowd gets behind, it's just, there's like, when teams are this close, From a talent perspective and a performance perspective, when you get that little push from the home crowd, that that energy, it could be the difference because it's just all these games and they are so close. And you know, we saw we saw it. I think even at Nebraska for Iowa and that game at the Palestra against Penn State um, and Maryland last week was a really tough environment. That student section was great for Maryland. It's just that little those little factors those little extras that you can you get when you're the home team can be enough when the competition is this close so
0: that is going to make these next four games tough as you said at Purdue home against Nebraska at Indiana at Minnesota go 2 and 2 there you feel pretty good and then it's all going to come down to you have that home game against Ohio State kind of in the middle of these four game stretches then you're at Michigan State you got Penn State and Purdue at home and then at Illinois there's I, I think there's going to be a lot on the line in those last four and hopefully a lot on that line in Champaign that season finale uh, at Illinois and and that that'll take us we we didn't talk about it <laughs> earlier the end of game um, I, I guess I'll just kind of let you uh, being in the arena how did it all play out? And then talking to the guys after the game, you were obviously involved in, in all these conversations. Uh, just kind of take us through the the end of the game festivities and and kind of the the scuffle or the the yelling and the no handshake line, everything that happened yesterday at Carver Hawkeye Arena.
1: Yeah, I guess I, first I really liked how how and you mentioned this earlier how uh, Brad Underwood and Fran McCaffrey handled it post game. They acknowledged it acknowledged what happened said it was unfortunate, but then downplayed it and said, you know, it's just competition, the words exchanged, that's just kind of, that, that, you know, even Fran said it's it's not a major story. And, and it wasn't. I mean, it just sometimes emotions overflow. I really don't know what got into Ron Coleman, uh, the Illinois assistant. I felt like things probably would have, you know, been fine had he not come at Fran McCaffrey and then another assistant – kind of jumped in there too and was spitting and I don't know what caused it. If it was Wieskamp's dunk with about 12 seconds left and Iowa was up by seven or eight points um, personally and Greg and I agree with Greg Bruner who tweeted that you got to dunk that you got to if they're not going to foul you you got to put the points on the board and you do. So from that perspective I had no problem with what Wieskamp did. I know some a lot of Illinois fans did, whatever. Um, but it almost seemed, when I, I've gone back and watched the video, and I'm sure you have too, Andrew, it almost seemed like Coleman was mad at Connor McCaffrey for pushing off DeSumo, who was chopping down on his arms after pre- previously, a few seconds earlier, doing the same thing with Frederick. It was kind of annoying, and it and it harkened back to and I and I talked with Connor McCaffrey about this after the game, to when Jacobson did it at the end of the Iowa State game last year, mm. and and tempers kind of flared a little bit at the end of the game against Iowa State. Same official, by the way, Mike Eads, who didn't call a foul in either situation. Instead, you know, and not, and I think the official has to has to take responsibility there, to manage the game and keep. You know, when you have one guy swatting at another guy, step in there, do something. But that's kind of what I saw overall. But I agree with the head coaches. I think it was, you know, a little bit of emotions took over, but it got under control and it didn't go far. Fran got his team off the court. I know people have a problem with him not going through the handshake line. In that situation, it was the right thing to do.
0: Well, again, uh, Wednesday night, the next time this Hawkeye team hits the floor, they're at Purdue, 6 o'clock tip. Uh, We'll have all the coverage. Rob will have all that coverage um, on HawkeyeNation.com. You can check that out. A few other things to talk about here on the podcast, but we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the number one wrestling team in the land. Nothing says home more than family and friends around the table, especially when the food is from Fairway. High quality, hand-cut meats, fresh produce, and affordable pricing. Be sure you're ready for family by stocking up on everything from the best possible source. Refreshingly, Fairway. All right, Rob. You were at Carver hawkeye Sunday for that win against Illinois, but you were also there Friday night for uh, what may have been a bigger win for for the Iowa sports program—a win over Penn State in wrestling. Uh, that was just—it felt like Tom Brands needed it. It felt like this program needed it. You know, as a novice wrestling fan, I'm I'm like to the point where I expect a national championship, and uh, and and that's obviously going to go through Penn State and Kale Sanderson as it has for a decade now. I guess first was the atmosphere in the building as good as it seemed on TV.
1: Oh, electric! It was. It was really fun, and uh, just it's a, it's a different type of crowd than basketball. Both are great, and I, I I saw some last week people fighting back and forth about the crowds at Carver between yeah. basketball and wrestling. people just can't enjoy <laughs> enjoy nice things, can they? Andrew?
0: No, you're right. You're it's, exactly right. It, just
1: enjoy it. Both cra- the, the the Carver's just been great this year. From you know the women's basketball game where where Gustafson got her jersey retired to the wrestling on Friday night to basketball. You know the men's game yesterday against Illinois. It just it's a great time to be an Iowa fan right now, and just enjoy it and Friday night for wrestling was just it was great two great programs two great rivals you know Penn State the reigning king of the mountain and then Iowa resurgent Iowa trying to get back up on top of that hill and uh it was fun it was it was a ball and uh you know you had some drama mixed in there and coaches throwing the bricks for challenges and fans chanting it was it was fun it it was really enjoyable
0: it it was interesting to to watch and and you know you have the Spencer Lee you know the way he starts but then that that Austin DeSanto match was was just different it's unlike anything I'd seen and and obviously um, his knee was was bothering him Have, have you seen any news on the injury to Austin DeSanto?
1: No, it was um, it was weird because that was re- it was kind of a str- that was strange anyway because nobody really knew what was going no. on with him, and the crowd was kind of wondering what was going on, and the the Iowa's bench was wondering what was going yeah, on. even, and the,
0: even f- the TV broadcasters like we were, were kind of confused as to why yeah. they stopped the match and then and then let it go again.
1: And the Penn State was confused why they were stopping it, and it was just kind of was—I don't know—was like you said, it was kind of unusual and weird, and and people weren't really tuned in what was going on. I don't think DeSanto was really—and uh, this is me speculating—it didn't. It seemed like when I was watching, because uh, I was down Matt's side taking photos, that the the um, trainers were trying to to ask Austin what was going on, and I don't think he was able to. You know, you know, maybe let them know exactly what he was feeling. And then the coaches in turn were wondering too. Um, and then finally he kind of tapped out or was trying to tap out and you could see Tom brands was almost in shock, not thinking that that was going to happen. And it just was weird. And, And I, I think for that match, Andrew, um, there was quite a bit of adversity for Iowa to overcome and being able to do that particularly after that match which was such a big match that bout with DeSanto being able to bounce back from that and then getting behind and coming back and, and you know Marinelli losing a tough match yeah, being able to rebound from that and finish off that duel was super important for Iowa.
0: I agree yeah, that Marinelli lost it it felt like oh man this, this could be over here and then that Kemmerer over Mark Hall was fantastic that had to have been the loudest the the crowd was all night. Yeah. The the Tony Cassiope a Cassiope match uh, with everything on the line to go out there and and have that kind of a win and man the the. Even on TV, I mean, it was just so electric uh, towards the end of that. That's that's something. That, I mean, that's great for college wrestling, and uh, and really sets up some fun things coming up for Iowa. Iowa beat Michigan State then yesterday, thirty-two to three. Probably not going to have another challenge uh, until next time they face Penn State.
1: Yeah, probably Big Tens, yeah. probably when they get to Big Tens. They, they still wrestle Minnesota and Oklahoma State, but those programs are down right now. Um, so really, I think what you take out of Friday, Andrew, is, you know, I think there were, certainly were people that were expecting a more dominant victory for Iowa, and Penn State's ability to hang in there um, and put the pressure on Iowa, I think let people know that maybe it's a little closer than people thought based on results coming into this duel yeah, and I think that pushes Iowa I think that's good for Iowa Iowa was able to to, as I said overcome adversity still win the duel gain confidence but know that it's not arrived yet and it still has work to do and now it can focus on maybe some of the things that didn't go well against Penn State moving forward here and continuing to build towards Big Ten and Nationals because I thought Both, you know, Tom Brands, Kemmerer and Cassiope after that duel were were all on message. They were like, this is great. It's nice. We're going to celebrate beating Penn State. It's a nice step forward. But March is what's important and it should be. And that should be their focus. And Friday was the next step in trying to get back to the, the spot they want to be, which is at the top of the podium.
0: Yeah, and if there's anybody who's going to be able to take a big win and make it feel like a loss inside that wrestling room, it'll be Tom Brands to kind of motivate that that team. <laughs> I, I think I think you're exactly right about that. Well, it wasn't all great in Hawkeye Land over the weekend as the Iowa women uh lost a nine-game win streak in a, a game at Michigan yesterday afternoon, a 78 to 63 loss for Iowa. Still 18 and four. I think still first in the Big Ten, but uh, a tough loss for the Hawkeyes yesterday.
1: Yeah, I agree, Andrew. And it just, you know, it's it's a it's it's a gauntlet in in conference play, w- no matter what it is. And and the women's side of the you know the Big Ten basketball is not the same as the men's. It's not as as balanced. But th- you still can get beat um, if you don't bring your you know you don't play your best. And, and Iowa found that on the out on the road yesterday. Um, and I'll be interested, This team hasn't faced a ton of adversity this year, but now it's, it's kind of put in position where it's got to bounce back now and it's got a tough Nebraska team that beat it, you know, to the, I think it was December 28th. We talked before we started recording the pod was the last time Iowa had lost and it was at Nebraska. So now Iowa gets Nebraska at home on Thursday, but then has two pretty tough road games at Purdue on Sunday and then at Maryland after that. So, Really important stretch for the women as well. Still in good position uh, in the Big Ten and for seeding in the postseason, but uh, I am interested to see how it's able to bounce back off a, a tough loss, a tough road loss.
0: Last thing here, uh, just just quickly, uh, just wanted to mention, I saw a, a news release this morning that Kirk Ferentz is going to be meeting with the media on Wednesday. Um, do you, is, is there anything big we should be expecting from, from that press conference?
1: I don't think so. I mean, we had Kirk, I guess, a few weeks ago um, to do kind of the, the wrap up on the you know the 2019 season and a bit of a look ahead of 2020. Um, but he wasn't at the press conference in December after on signing day because he was out of town. I forget where he was. He may have been at he may have been at one of his sons' games. He may have been at the Patriots game for that. Uh, getting a chance to see James Ferentz and the Patriots play. He doesn't get a chance, obviously, to do that during the season. So he missed the first signing day press conference and hasn't really had a... Opportunity to talk about this this 2020 recruiting class, and this Wednesday is this, this this used to be the big signing day, but now it's so anticlimactic with the early signing period. I'm not so sure that they're going to sign anybody on Wednesday, and if they do, it may be um, there's you know we've we've talked about it before on the podcast. There's some talk about a punter from Australia that they may bring in, uh, but that may not happen till later in the spring. So I'm not sure that they're going to add anybody on Wednesday. There's certainly a chance to i think they're at 84 scholarships right now uh with the news that jeff jenkins was walking away from the program last week um but I think it's more of an opportunity for him to kind of talk about this recruiting class on the whole ha- because he hasn't had a chance to do that and then he'll be asked about other things he'll be asked about <laughs> oh, yeah. he won't get away just for talking about recruiting he'll get questions uh, about the program and you know spring ball coming up and off season workouts and things like that football never dies yeah, never may- rests I say, should say
0: maybe about making a cameo in, in one of the Super Bowl intros yesterday as uh, right, right. The, you know, four Hawkeyes were, were in that Super Bowl to obviously come away with a win uh, that was that was fun yesterday. I lied and said that was the last thing because uh, a piece of news has just come out uh, as as Rob and I record this on Monday morning, the AP poll is out for men's basketball. Uh-huh. Iowa up one spot to 17th. Uh, they were 18th coming into the you know after last week or Yeah, last week they were 18th. Uh, 17th now. Maryland up to 9th. They're the top-ranked Big Ten team. Uh, Michigan State just one spot ahead of Iowa at 16th. So Maryland 9, Michigan State 16, Iowa 17. Illinois dropped one spot to 20th. And then Penn State is ranked 22nd. Those are your Big Ten-ranked teams. I guess I'm, I'm a little surprised Iowa didn't go up uh, maybe a spot or two more than that. But at this point, you're, you're kind of okay with you know staying in the weeds in those mid-teens. And we'll see what happens. Happens in these next handful of road games, and if Iowa can start making some hay there, they'll they really start to climb up this thing.
1: Yeah, the loss on the road to Maryland obviously last week, and then the win at home, wins at home against Wisconsin and Illinois. I didn't, I don't know, I don't have the poll in front of me to know what type of move you know the, the the teams ahead of them in the poll how they right. did last week so it's tough to once you start getting into this in, in this neighborhood andrew and we we haven't been in this neighborhood <laughs> a lot in recent years it's tough to move up unless teams in front of you are losing so um yeah i agree with you 17's a nice spot to be in you know right up there in the top of the big 10 for the you know fighting for the top of the big 10 i i was in fine position and as we talked about, three of the next four on the road, we'll find out a lot in the next couple weeks.
0: Well, stay tuned to HawkeyeNation.com for all of Rob's coverage every day over in Iowa City. Uh, we'll have podcasts, we'll have articles. We got a lot going on. Uh, we appreciate you listening, Rob. Thank you as always for the time. This is always fun.
1: Yeah, had a great time talking to Hawks again, Andrew, and we'll uh, we'll talk to folks again next week.
0: All right, thank you for listening. Go Hawks.